0: So...
1: Hi, I'm Eric Morse, and I want to thank you for joining us at the Hillsborough Alliance Bible Church. We want you to uh, worship God with us. Uh, I would like to open us today in prayer. God, thank you for helping us, especially in these trying times, seek To honor you. We want to worship you. You alone are worthy of worship. We want to thank you because you give us everything. God, we want to also thank you for your love and for your grace that you've given to us through your Son, Jesus Christ. God, can you guide us this day in the truth and help us understand your words and help us put your words into action that we might live them out, that our neighbors would know the love of Christ through us. I ask this, that that Jesus' name would be glorified forever. Amen.
2: The scripture reading tonight is Ephesians chapter 1 paul an apostle of christ jesus by the will of god to the saints who are at ephesus and who are faithful in christ jesus grace to you and peace from our from god our father and the lord jesus christ blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in christ just as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in love he predestines us to a adoption as some as sons through jesus christ to himself according to the kind intentions of his will to the praise of the glory of his grace which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved in him we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness and our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight he made known to us the mystery of his will according to the kind intentions which he purposed in him with a view to the administration suitable to the fulfill- fullness of the times that is the summing up of all things in Christ things in the heavens and things upon the earth in him also we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to his purpose who works all things after the counsel of his will to the end that we who were first to hope in christ should be to the praise of his glory in him you also after listening to the message of truth the gospel of your salvation having also believed you were sealed with him with the holy spirit of promise who is given as a pledge of our inheritance to the view to the redemption of god's own possessions to the praise of his glory for this reason i too having heard of the faith in the lord jesus which exists among you and your love for all the saints do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the fathers of glory may give you give to you a spirit of wisdom and of right revelation in the knowledge of him I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know <clears throat> what is the hope Of his calling that are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe these are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might which he brought about in christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all.
0: Well, hello everyone. I am privileged to be with you here. It's a little bit different context as we experienced together the COVID-19. But I am grateful that we continue to fellowship. And as we do that, um, I joined in the process of your journey through Nehemiah. And we're in chapter 11. Uh, just the first couple of verses of chapter 11. If you turn there, it says, The rulers and the people that dwelt at Jerusalem and the rest of the people also cast lots, To bring one of ten to dwell in Jerusalem, the holy city. And nine parts to dwell in the other cities. And the people blessed all the men that willingly offered themselves to dwell at Jerusalem. The rest of the chapter is a challenge to read. A whole bunch of names. And I'll leave that to you to read those. As I thought about how to approach such a chapter, I uh, went back to listen to what I've been, uh, the rest of Nehemiah was about from what Wayne and what Steve had given in messages. So I went to your website and I listened to what they were preaching about, how Steve was talking about the foundations, the structure, and the need for structure, and how in this context of Restructuring church and choosing new leadership in a direction how appropriate that message is and then I listened to Wayne talk about Hunger for the Word of God and his message about are you hungry? was just spot-on about how Ezra and the priests had read the Word of God and people were moved people in that day were weeping as they heard the Word of God and That's an appropriate question for us as well is the Word of God Really connecting with us in that way. Now these two themes, the foundations and the, the hunger for the word of God, are really foundational for our faith. Hebrews 11, in verse 1, it says that faith is a substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. And it is for this faith, verse 2 says, that the ancients were commended. Well, as I think about the people that were in Jerusalem at the time of Nehemiah, ex- experiencing what they did and putting their faith into this new vision of rebuilding Jerusalem, rebuilding the temple, setting a new vision for worship in Jerusalem, they were ex- expressing faith in the sense more literally than maybe than we even imagine, setting a foundation And having an expression of what was still unseen. Well, in February, I went to India to visit my son and his wife. And most importantly, our grandson. My first grandson. Our first grandson. And we had pictures together. And one of the the ones I love the most is the picture of me with my son and grandson and just experiencing that sense of generation. And uh, we were there when his uh, dedication took place at church. I mean, they, they waited for us to come so they could do the dedication at church. And uh, they asked me to say a privilege to do as grandpa. And I found the verse in uh, what Paul said about the Timothy of the Bible. But I felt like it really did encapsulate the the kind of sense that I had about the generational effect. Uh, I was feeling something I'd never felt before, being a grandpa. It's awesome. It says there in, in the scripture that Paul calls Timothy his son. And he says, and he has become a partner in the gospel with me. And I prayed that for my grandson, whose name is Timothy as well. And I said, that is the joy of family, not only that we have father, son, and and that relationship, but that we together are partners in the gospel. And that as family, we have purpose. We have that kind of ongoing, bigger picture that I will pass, my son will pass, Timothy will grow up and hopefully... We'll see the Lord work in his life, so he is a partner in the gospel with us. I thought about that feeling and how it must have been true for those generation in the time of Nehemiah. These people were commended for moving to Jerusalem. Um, As Hebrews says, they are commended for their faith. So much so that the writers of this book felt it was worthwhile to write down the names of the people. They were significant people to give their lives up and move to Jerusalem when Jerusalem was still not much of a city at all. I want to bring a sense of encouragement for us today in the sense of here we are living in a time of our generation. Who knows what anybody will say about us? But consider where we are and that we share a part in a big story. I had an experience with a family reunion one time. My cousin had gone to Europe, and he visited where my family was from. My family was uh, Swiss-German, and he found the, the little uh, place where they were from and the village that they were from, and he found the church where my great-great, however many generations ago, was baptized as a child. And there he took a, a picture of, of the certificate. And he showed it to us. There was Isaac Kaufman, baptized 1796. And what a feeling to think, wow, I'm connected to someone back there. And the next record of Isaac is in Pennsylvania, where he had come and he had joined a Mennonite community. And then we just have to fill in the blanks. What was happening at that time where people were persecuted for Protestant beliefs. They were persecuted for the uh, believing that you would be baptized as an adult. And that was the kind of thing that it must have happened because here he was in a Mennonite community. And given the you know, credit to the Mennonite records, my cousin uh, was able to send a story of a journey f- of my family from Pennsylvania all the way to Montana where my grandfather levi was his name levi kaufman had planted a church in glendive montana where i was born as we sat and listened to this my cousin presenting very well about just the little bits of pieces we could fit together about where our family came from we all were just profoundly impacted by this connection to a bigger story a larger story than just any of us as individuals. And here we were sitting there and I remember him saying, isn't it something that we're part of 15 generations of people that have expressed this faith and we share this faith and still today we share this faith? Well, I personally was very much indebted to the fact that my grandfather was a minister Several of my uncles were ministers, several of my family were missionaries, and that kind of heritage was just all kind of spread through our family. And so I was just kind of given all of this grace and praise God for what he does with that. I want to celebrate that some in, the, in what I have to share with you from the scriptures. Coming off of Nehemiah with the thought that those people were faithful in their generation. How can we be the same? Faithful in our generation. And being part of a family of faith that has much bigger implications than just our generation. I want to read with you some scriptures. If we consider this our family story, the family of faith, We can look in Matthew chapter one at the genealogy for Jesus. In Matthew one, he goes through the generations from Abraham to David, from David to the Babylonian exile, from the Babylonian exile until Messiah. Very nicely set, Matthew must have been kind of a teacher because he makes an easy way to remember. He says there's 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 generations from David to Babylonian exile, and 14 generations from the return to when Messiah was born. Good numbers. If we look at the genealogy in the book of Luke, there's a different line and uh, a few more generations added because he goes all the way back to, to Adam. And Adam is the son of God. Well, from Adam to Abraham... In that genealogy, there's about 20 generations of people that are mentioned. So, fun fact, not that it matters a lot, but if you count from Adam all the way to Jesus, you you have about 75 generations. Now, biblically, that's how long we've been on the planet. 75 generations till Jesus. And I'll let you do the math to figure out how many generations from Jesus to us. Interesting when you start to think about that. I'm a numbers guy, love numbers. And nowadays, you know, a lot of people are interested in Ancestry.com and finding out where we come from. Finding out where we come from is part of the story. But I think the Lord also has a lot to say about where we're going. And so as we consider that, we can look at Hebrews. I mentioned Hebrews before. Hebrews 11, talking about faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen, and the ancients were commended for this. Listen to some of what the family story is like as we continue in the book of uh, Hebrews chapter 11. At the end of the chapter, starting in verse 32, And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. "...wandering about in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth, and all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God has provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. Apart from us they should not be made perfect." We are part of a story that is described as something better. Do you know what that is? We'd always complain sometimes about our life and our generation and how maybe we are suffering worse than anyone else and my, how can the world get any worse than it is? But the Bible says here that we are to experience something Better. In fact, we're to embrace it in a way that goes on in chapter 12 to say this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings to us so closely and let us run with endurance the race set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder, the perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. This is the story that's better. The one that we're to experience with the ancients who looked forward to this. We are living it. We are experiencing it. Jesus, the founder and the perfecter, Of our faith, and we have the privilege of setting our eyes on Him. We get to see Him. And by the power of the Spirit indwelling the church, revelation of Jesus is fresh and alive every time we gather, as He promised He would be with us when we gather. Maybe nowadays, more appropriate than ever, that two or three are gathered together. There is Jesus in our midst. Well, what is this something better more specifically? I want you to turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, where Peter describes how this better kind of relationship exists for us. And just let me read it to you. 1 Peter 2, starting at verse 2. So as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good, coming to Him as to living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also as living stones are being built up in a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in Scripture Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect and precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense. They stumble, being disobedient to the word, to which they were also appointed. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who were not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So I can say Hillsborough Alliance Church, you are members of the household of faith, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a chosen generation, a people of God. These are big things. These are maybe things we wouldn't have said about ourselves. And can we have the courage to accept them being said by God? About us. One day we will stand before the Lord, and our names, our names will be spoken in the list of all of those who have believed. Our names will be written in a book as those who believed. And as we have all of eternity for this, there will come a day when you or I will be called forth by name to stand before the Lord and everyone will hear our name. And the Lord say, well done, you good and faithful servant. Enter into this kingdom that I have prepared for you from the foundation of the world. That's a big story. And I think at times we don't have the capacity to let that, that kind of sink into us. Similar to my feeling of 15 generations of, of relatives. Uh, had they not existed and had they not walked with the Lord the way they did, I, I may not even be here today. Because they walked faithful, I am here to have the opportunity to be faithful as well. As we consider this, I want to say a prayer that comes from Colossians chapter 1. But I want you to receive it in the context that I've laid out for you here today. Part of it that makes you feel incredibly small, being just as one generation among 75 plus. One person in the midst of a huge list of those who have lived before us and those who will live after us. And yet, I also want you to hear it in the sense of how the great cloud of witnesses actually sees our generation and cheers us on in our race. That you are being seen and you are being known by name and cheered on in your faith in the walk that you have with the Lord. So keep that in mind as you listen to these words of prayer from Colossians 1, starting in verse 3. We give thanks to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before the word of truth of the gospel. It has come to you as it has also in all the world and is bringing forth fruit as it is among you since the day you heard it and knew the grace of God in truth. I'm going to skip to verse 9. For this reason, we also since the day we heard it do not cease to pray for you and ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to His glorious power, for all patience and long suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son that he loves, in whom we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins. The Father has qualified you, Hillsborough Alliance Church. He has qualified you to participate in this story. That's an amazing statement. You are part of his story. History, if we put it that way, is God writing his story on the hearts of his people. So be filled with the knowledge of his will and walk worthy of the Lord, pleasing Him and being fruitful in every good work. Amen? I want to sing a song in closing that gives you time to just contemplate what it is that I have said. And I I want the song to minister to you, but I want to take time before we just jump and go on our way to consider What God has set before us. The song is called The Table of Grace. And I just want to invite you to come to the table. And as I sing this song, just listen to the Lord confirm his word to you. Hear the good news You've been invited No matter what Others may say Your darkest sins Will be forgiven And you will always Have a place At the table of grace Your cup's never empty The plate's always full And it's never too late To come and be filled With love never ending You're always welcome At the table of grace come you're weak and you're heavy hearted don't try to hide your earthly scars for in his eyes we all are equal so don't be afraid but come as you are to the table of grace They are cups never empty The plate's always full And it's never too late To come and be filled With a love never ending You're always welcome At the table of grace So let the first become the last And let the poor put kings to shame Your willing heart will be your treasure It's in the power of Jesus' name At the table of grace The cup's never empty, your plate's always full. And it's never too late, so come and be filled with a love never ending. You're always welcome at the table of grace. The table of grace. The cup's never empty Your plate's always full And it's never too late So come and be filled With a love never ending You're always welcome At the table of grace Yes, everyone's welcome At the table of grace